0: Hello and welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And welcome to episode 117. And today we're
1: having part two of episode 98. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's how far ahead it, we it, planned
1: Yeah, we we, yeah, we, uh, we, took playing, our,
0: we took our time We're playing three-dimensional uh, chess while you're playing
1: And for those checkers. of you who are devoted listeners and go, oh, I know what episode 98 was uh, That was our guest, Jonathan Corcoran, who talked about the kind of bumbling your way toward God And so today, we're specifically going to answer this question, John mm. We're going to have Jonathan answer
0: this question Right, I forgot the issue of the two Johns, I forgot about yes. that
1: Yes, we're going to have Jonathan Corcoran answer this question Why would any... Jesus-loving, Pentecostal, charismatic Christian who who wants to love Jesus even more and wants to be a vibrant part of his church, why would he ever become a Catholic? I'm dying to know. I am too. So that's where <laughs> we're going today. And we're going to explore. Uh, we're going to pick up his journey actually at one particular point where he left off in episode 98. And uh, I don't know if you, uh, listener, remember that episode. You might enjoy going back and listening to it before you finish this one, but it was phenomenal. And so we're going to talk about how did he become a Catholic and why, because, well, I'll I'll dive into this when we start, because I, sure. I've got a very uh, pointed uh, bias that I need to confess before we go into the Yeah, I'm sure
0: everyone's scratching their head as to what that could be. <laughs> <laughs> but before that, John, it is story time, and you are up. It's my turn for uh, story time. So this is a brief one. Uh, this is back my uh, sophomore year of college, my first year at Northwest, because I did freshman year at a, at SPSCC and uh me and Lindsay had just started hanging out. We weren't dating yet, we were just talking a lot and we both, you know, we both knew we were going to date, but it was, we're we're slow movers in in most areas of life, but this one included. I so. would agree with that. Yeah. So, uh her birthday is coming up and her birthday it's like you know, it'd be weird if you just started dating, then Valentine's Day came up, that kind of thing. Oh, right. So, so am I supposed to do something or not? Exactly. And it shouldn't be too big because then right. that scares her. Yeah, because we hadn't even had like a DTR or nothing. It was just, yeah. you know, we were just had talking. Had you held so. hands? No, that wasn't even till after the DTR. Oh, those wow. Are, so you had a
1: DTR define the relationship yeah, for, for, those, for, you for the this. uninitiated. Uh, you had a DTR
0: prior to ever holding her hand or kissing her face? I, yeah, yeah. We weren't dating. It's spectacular. Do you hold your hand or kiss the face of people you're not dating? Well, I might
1: kiss her before I define the relationship. <laughs> not us, man. I'm we, proud of you. I'm 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 shocked because that's not normative. Gotcha. But it is exceptional.
0: Is what well. I'm and glad I, to yeah. hear it.
1: And I give her credit and I give you cowardice. <laughs> <laughs> that is very accurate. Okay. So, so it's going to stop you from giving up. me too much praise, yeah. but I figured I'd let you. Okay. Let her you birthday's
0: coming it. up. You're not sure how big a gift am I supposed to do. So what'd you do? So, uh, the day of, I knew she liked cheesecake. I got her one of those little self-serve cheesecakes and that thing I like that's, I'm actually proud of that. That was nice. And I got some yeah. flowers as a gift about a month before a good friend of mine, uh, uh, fedor. I've talked about Dennis before. I went to Dennis's wedding. They're Ukrainian. Uh, twin brothers, Fedor's his brother, and he just out of the whim, out of the blue, on a whim, out of you know, whatever. Anyway, yeah. he brought me a Millennium Falcon keychain. Oh, uh, episode seven had come out the following summer, I think, the following Christmas, maybe. And we both like Star Wars, and he just got me a keychain. Millennium Falcon, a little weird. But I was flattered. You mean because a dude to dude? Yeah. just And yeah, yeah. But I'm the Romanian. So you never know exactly where he's coming. Ukrainian. From. Ukrainian. But yeah, it might have been more normal there. And I was still stoked. I was like, well, that's great. Because yeah. I because I love Fedora. Don't so kiss it me. A, we haven't had a DTR, but I'll take the keychain. <laughs> to <laughs> I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep these hugs nice and short. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this thing is nice. It's like heavy. It's like, like yeah, real, real metal stuff. Yeah. I love this thing. I still have it. Uh, and so I'm like, I know. Lindsay loves Star Wars. I'll get her one of these. Yeah. 2.0. Yeah, exactly. We'll have
1: matching. This won't be weird. We'll have matching
0: keychains. Well, the thing is, I don't really use keychains. So, I have it on a shelf. I I don't walk around with it. So, I didn't think it'd be that weird. Right. And I know I figured she would just like it. So, I buy the same one off Amazon as he did. And it shows up and it's light and it's plastic or like some kind of like off metal. Like it's it's not as It's visually as nice. If you look at them side to side, you might go, well, it's probably the same. But if you hold them, you can totally tell. Substantial difference. They cheaped out a little bit. And so I had this dilemma. Just started talking to this girl. We're not even dating. I have a cherished item from a friend. Yeah, truly, she's not worthy of that yet. Well, no, I'm saying that if I were to give her the cherished item that that dear Fedora gave me. That speaks
1: highly to her and really negatively to Fedora. It wasn't
0: about that. It was if, what if it doesn't work out? And then, then I've lost it. And then I've lost the cherished memoir from my friend. Oh, not memoir. So this was
1: entirely selfish.
0: No. Well, yeah, (laughs) it was, it really was. And so I had this dilemma and eventually I had to realize this is the one from Fedora. I'm going to hold on to this one. I made, I made the selfish call.
1: Well, I'm not sure it was inappropriate.
0: I don't know either. Yeah. It was, it was a, uh, what's the term? Um, I don't know. a, A risk. Then yes. I decided to not take the risk. Yep. And here I am with Lindsay five years later. And does she know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I told her even. And what does she think right about the call in. you made? I don't know if she expressed any opinions on it, which mm. could be bad. I it guess I hadn't thought about it till yeah. just now. But she carries that one on her keychain everywhere, she goes. Even though it's cheap and could break. Yeah, because I guess it means a lot to her. I'm surprised she hasn't
1: said, hey, why don't we swap these out? Because I'm actually <laughs> carrying it.
0: You know, actually, I haven't uh, I haven't felt mine in a long time. Maybe she did, <laughs> and I, I don't even know. <laughs> I think for her next birthday, does she listen to these? Uh, she's a little behind, so okay. she might not get to it by the time her next birthday comes. I around. think
1: for her next birthday, you should swap out the keychains
0: as part as part of her gift. Yeah, and then wait to see how long she notices. And and the next birthday no, I don't after mean that, swap I'll it say. without telling her. Okay, I
1: mean present her the weighty one.
0: And As what do I, what do I tell did. Fedor? You think he's going to care? <laughs> Maybe he listens to this. Well, when
1: he comes to your house, he'll see yours on your shelf, and he'll assume it's the one he gave you.
0: Well, that, I'll, I'll, I'll chew on it. But that's my story for today. I made, the, right. I made the selfish choice, but it's more okay. funny than anything. All right.
1: Well, let's welcome back our guest. This is Jonathan Corcoran. And Jonathan and I met after I did a message on confession at Evergreen, which uh, I think your dad told you you should listen to. Yep. And um, after you listened to it, You said, I think this guy's part Catholic. Yeah. I said, he's got to be reading stuff. (laughs) So you reached out to me and we had a conversation and, um, I don't know if it was mutual. I didn't buy you a a, a gift. I didn't (laughs) hug you tight and long. We didn't have a DTR, but, uh, I really connected with you. It's mutual. I really enjoyed it. And so, uh, man, the stories you laid on me that day were incredible. I, I was, it was like, I sat through, a a movie or something it was very very entertaining thought-provoking awesome so I had you in here so now here's a, here's a, I got to confess my bias before we dive right in yep I realized and Jonathan I'd love to you Jonathan Ladd tell me if you feel this way or if, if this makes any sense to you sure I feel like this conversation we're about to have is the kind of conversation a typical white guy might have with a black American like I'm going to act like I really know what it's like to be Catholic And I'm going to ask questions that show how ignorant I actually am, and so I just want to admit Hmm. up front, I'm going to ask some really I'm going to ask questions that because I have some some black friends and and I tell them, hey, forgive me, I'm going to ask questions, and and every once in a while they roll their eyes and you see that you know (laughs) it's kind of dumb that you don't realize how dumb that question is, so that's going to happen today because I'm curious, I'm really curious and ignorant i've been to a catholic uh funeral one time i told you last time we were together i went to a hermitage i had a little bit of experience there but i got i got nothing and i had uh three brothers that were good friends of mine in high school that were catholic and they couldn't explain it to me no and they were not like they weren't catholic like you (laughs) Um, oh no (laughs) (laughs) so uh jonathan do you do you identify with that kind of bias
0: problem I don't, I would just call it ignorance. I wouldn't call it bias. It I mean, okay, the, that's probably, that's better. The yeah. pointed question in the beginning, that would be bias. That'd yeah. be like, you have a stance, yeah. but, but you, the preface that you just gave was I'm ignorant. So forgive my ignorance. That's there all I would go. call yeah, it. Okay. And Thank I, you. and I feel the same. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Tim Keller had,
1: uh, has a, a pastor friend who's black and he told him, you know, the, the one thing that gets me about you white people is you don't think you have a culture. Right. And Tim Keller yeah. said, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> and he said, well, you don't think of the way you see the world as white. You see it as the way it is. Right. right. So you don't think I'm thinking white. You think I'm thinking right. Yeah. And what strikes me is uh, that's probably true in any culture where you are the majority. You just assume that. That the majority position is the right one. It never even occurs to you that that's a culture
2: sure.
0: and has a perspective. So, well, my assumption was always every culture thinks they're right. So I, I said I believe my assumptions of the world are right, and I'm counting on everyone else to believe their assumptions of the world are right. Kind of like how we, you know, like a like almost like a, a sports competition. You count on each team to do their best. Yeah, and and then you know, but if you're the minority
1: out. in a culture, you know that you're perspectives are not widely held that's true yeah yeah and so you have an awareness of that it's like a fish saying to the other fish man the water is really nice today and the right. other and fish and says it, what's, water? what's water yeah yeah um okay so um yeah. i want to pick up the story yep um at the table when you read i i, I think i remember you were at your yeah. dinner table and you read uh at all times and in all ways god draws yeah. near to men gosh
2: yeah that's it I, I just broke down and I think I said in the last podcast, I just, uh, it was like a huge dam, just broke in my heart that yeah. I've been patching up. And I think from that point on, I hadn't had a desire to pray. Um, like there was a legitimate, almost, um, anti prayer thing going on oh. in, in my heart where I just couldn't pray. I couldn't. And my wife would ask me to pray for her if she wasn't feeling good and I would take very long time and pretend like I was being contemplative and stuff, but I wasn't, I just was trying to work up the, like, God, you already know if she's not well. So
0: like, why are we wasting our you time? You can here? just do something about it. If and you're if going you're,
1: to, if you're going to, then just yeah. do it. So, so was that, do you think in hindsight, do you think that was about your crisis of faith of not thinking God's responding to you? Or is that just uh, a kind of a, your give a damns broke about things spiritual?
2: Yeah. It's probably, well, I mean, it's probably a combination of all those things. I think the verse I quoted, um, last podcast, the, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm -hmm. I I just think I had these expectations that actually didn't seem to be fulfilled in my life. on the same hand, I didn't actually want to be a pastor, but I thought I was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and so that tension was always kind of present, but then as a teacher, I just you know, fell in, I had three kids and it was like, well, this is just life now. Now hit
1: pause. And Jonathan Lad, anytime you want to hit pause and interrupt and ask questions, I want us to do that. Uh, Do you now still feel like um, you're not supposed to be a pastor?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, that, that would open up a whole nother conversation. Um, I remember sitting in the front row, um, in the front pew, probably the first month into being received into full communion with the Catholic church. And there's this thing called this Catholic annual appeal where the archbishop basically, I think gives a number to all the parishes and says like, we need you to give this much to the archdiocese to help do all the Catholic charities and for seminarians to go to seminary and all this. So they always send a seminarian who's, you know, fresh out of seminary or in the process gives, you know, a fairly riveting little talk, but it's basically like, we need you to give money. Yeah. Right. And I'm in the front row and I'm crying again. I'm just crying and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, there's a system here. There was never a system for me.
1: Oh, so you appreciated the fact that this is, they have a way to think of the network this. is working together.
0: The network,
2: like, like this is the church acting on behalf to fund the seminarians work. I'm paying for that guy to go to school because you know what? He's going to come back and help be a conduit for the sacraments and for, and he's going to help pastor potentially a parish that I attend.
1: Okay. Unpause
2: <laughs> because, <laughs> which it's actually not a technical pause. It's right. Just you need a, yeah. you need yeah. better
0: language for okay. it.
2: Yeah. Because I thought you were like, wait, do you do me to say something like what I really think? <laughs> no, no, I'm just, no I'm just ba- <laughs> back
1: on track is what I mean. So okay, we yeah. go off track on track. So back on track. Yeah. Um, because you're using a ton of language in this whole yeah, thing, that I don't understand. Yeah. So, so please do stop me. Yeah. So I want to go back to, okay, you had this, uh, this incredible awakening. Now get us from there to Catholicism.
2: Okay. And I, and I want to try to do that sort of quickly. Um, okay. And then we can dig. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or at least maybe some of the highlights. Um, and it's not going to express the amount of, um, time sort of intense dialogue that my wife and I had, because my wife had a lot of questions, um, specifically around Mary and her role, the saints confession. Yeah. To we'll priest, get to all that. Cause I have a lot purgatory. Of yeah. I mean, she had kind of the, classic Protestant questions. My big one was authority. The linchpin for the whole thing was authority. Um, So if, if Jesus actually established a church and if that church is actually the Catholic church, then it doesn't matter what I think right now. And the Greek Orthodox
1: would say that's them.
2: Well, it's probably one of them. It's either the Orthodox and the Catholic have a interesting relationship um, that might be bracketed to the Protestant group. And uh, that's kind of some distinctions we could talk about a little later too. But, um, so for me, it was about authority. And so, um, now how did you get from that table to the question of authority? Well, because I, I, and how fast, uh, uh let's see. It was probably about a year and a half.
1: Okay. So in that year and a half, you're on fire. Now my heart's back
2: with God. I'm. We're I'm... attending Newbridge. Okay. Um, just down the road from St. Mike's and, um, and we were reading the catechism of the Catholic church. I was digging into now, the why church were you fathers. doing that? What, because you
1: thought I want to know if this is the original church or not.
2: Um, sorry. So uh, I'm trying to jump too fast. Um, that, that quote from that book that I read was from the prologue of the catechism, which, okay. which, which the catechism is really just a compilation of questions of the perennial teaching of the church. Yeah. um, and you had that on hand. Why? I bought it because be, because it was quoted and I had this desire to pray and I'm like, I don't really know if I want to bust out my tambourine mm-hmm. again and like go down this emotive road of prayer, but I have this desire to pray, but I don't know how to pray. And so I'm thinking, and so I should probably read what people have said about prayer. So I went back as far as I knew, which was like A.W. Tozer and I'd read, you know, I reread some of his stuff. And then I'm like, gosh, but um, he's quoting this brother Lawrence guy, but gosh, I guess this brother Lawrence guy is actually Catholic. Mm -hmm. Huh? So that's kind of weird. So I started going back further and further and further. And it's like, wow, like there's been a lot of ink spilled about prayer and it is um, incredibly rich. Um, It's something that anyone can profit from because you have people that are writing about the life of the heart with Christ Mm -hmm. and um, you, you get both the glories of it and the lows of it. Um, and so, which really ultimately they all turn you back to the Psalms, Mm -hmm. uh, through prayer. Um, so that was why I got the catechism. I also got some Orthodox books. Um, in our time in Alaska, I had read a missionary journal, um, father Ivan Vinaminov, um, who came to Sitka. And there was a lot of Pentecostal stuff that happened in that book, which kind of woke me up to be like, maybe the Orthodox, like, that's kind of weird, like an angel appeared to these people, and then mm-hmm. he just went there, and then there were a bunch of people got baptized. I'm like, this sounds like the Book of Acts. Right. And that was in the 1700s, you know? Um, and they were writing about it very dispassionately, like, yeah, this happened. Um, so...
0: And they were Catholics.
2: Uh, they were uh, Russian Orthodox. Okay.
0: Um, I don't know who could write more dispassionately than a Russian Orthodox <laughs> in the 1700s. That's like...
2: they. Well, they... <laughs> They are kind of sneaky, and I don't mean that sneaky, but they uh, write very dispassionately, but they're articulating, a lot of them, um, something really deep about the heart, and it, uh, um, it hit me. And so I thought, and I had joked with people, I said, one of these days, if you're going to be a part of a problem in the world, like the church, you should probably be a part of the first one. Um, and I mean, I'd made that joke quite a bit. Um, and I never really thought about what that would mean. So there what does the word
1: Catholic mean? Let's help some people yeah. out because, it, you know, the, the, the creed, the, yeah. uh the, the Holy Catholic church, I believe in the
2: one, yeah. you know, the Catholic, the, the, the Catholic church, what's the word Catholic mean? Catholic. Um, a lot of times people will define it as universal. Yeah. Um, and I think that's true, but it also means whole. Mm. So um, you'll hear sometimes people say, um, there's the fullness of the gospel, mm-hmm. um, in the ancient traditions. Um, so it's, it's the whole thing. So Catholic church means, so Catholic specifically in this, and it could mean different things in different, you know, in different usages, but in general, it means whole or universal. So it's, the gospel is for literally every living person.
0: Mm-hmm. And so I have a question when we talk about, uh, it was really important to you about authority and about the first church. And what would stop, uh, the church being more, uh, ethereal, like, like every church is the church yeah. in like this in the spiritual title. So, that, so where do you get to, there is the one church and, yeah. and, and then my question would be attached to that is, does that mean the other denominations you would consider not the church or, or how does that sure. work exactly? Um,
2: that's such a great question. Uh, because this was, this was kind of a wrapped up in this authority, um, thing right. for me, So, if okay, so let's just start with um, let's start with this. Uh, let's start with Jesus. So, let's start with the incarnation. Okay, so would we say that that was natural and supernatural, or was that just natural, or was that just supernatural? I think, I mean, I think we'd all say like it was, it was both, right? It was the incarnation, was
1: the conception was both supernatural and natural, yeah, and then from then on, it's. It's both because yeah. he's God incarnate, right?
2: He's God and man, right? Um, which boy the first the first seven councils of the church were hammering out like the the scandal of that. Like, what does that mean? The Greeks couldn't handle it. The Hebrews couldn't handle it. Like, sure. what does it mean that God actually became man? So, um, I think it's really I have this understanding of the church as the church is invisible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church the mystical body of Christ. And you'll hear Catholic writers talk about the mystical body of Christ too, but they usually mean something a little different by it because it, because they don't mean exclusively invisible. Mm -hmm, So our unity isn't based on just a floating thing that we can't see. So a a Catholic would say, and an Orthodox would say too that, um, no, it's both. It it's both. Um, so there actually is a visible church. Mm -hmm. And if there's not a visible church, then, you kind of don't have the church. Sure. So um, one beautiful thing that we read in the catechism was that, uh, that through our baptism. So at the time when we're Protestants through our baptism, we share partial communion, although imperfect with the Catholic church, Mm. because even the understanding of baptism wouldn't have even been handed on to, let's say past Luther past the reformation. If it wasn't, kept alive and safeguarded through, through, through the Holy scriptures, through the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, I mean, I, I, I can hear people being like, okay, yeah, well then that means that we're not a part of the church or that, you know, living water evergreen or this, like we're not the church. And it's like, well, in a certain sense, yes, but in a certain sense too, there's like broken communion mm-hmm. and, um, and that communion is both visible and it's, it's visible in the sense that, um, that there is the scandal of divorce in the kingdom. Right. Um, and then it's both spiritual in that, like a lot of people would say, I reject what the Catholic church teaches. Um, and they, and I don't know if there's many people that actually do argue with the Catholic church there. You'll bump into some Reformed people that have like a theological bone to pick around justification for say, per se. But, um, I didn't really know anything about the Catholic church and I didn't even know I was protesting And I think I may have said this before to you, but um, G.K. Chesterton said uh, that that um, if you don't have a pope, you'll be your own pope. Mm -hmm. Um, So the role of the pope in this case is teacher and the visible sign of unity around the world of the church. So there's twenty seven, twenty six, twenty seven other churches uh, that govern themselves that are in communion with Rome. Orthodox churches, uh, Eastern Rite Catholic churches, uh, Maronites from Syria. Um, there's an Anglican, I don't even know what you call it, but there's like an Anglican part of the church that said, Hey, what happened with the King wasn't right. We want to come back home. Mm-hmm. So the Vatican has a office for the uh, re- the reunification of Christians, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is beautiful. I mean, it's a sign that there is this idea of like, we actually are one and there and there, and there has been a wound. So yeah. I don't really know if I answered your question. No, that was but- great.
0: That was great. But then, so I guess the probably uh, Protestant or, um, I don't know what the word would be, but the maybe broader uh, American Christian sense would be like, well, couldn't they all be the one church? And the Catholic, um, I'm trying to think of a better analogy for this, but like, uh, Coca-Cola, if that was the first soda, there can be other sodas and they're all soda, right? Sure. They don't all have to be Coca-Cola. Sure. That's kind of the the layman understanding of it or my layman understanding of it. And so uh, it seems like the Catholic stance would be that is not necessarily true, that you would have to reunify to be and everyone with like, it. Like the solution to the diaspora of Christianity would be to become one Catholic church again, not just one church, but one Catholic church.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the soda metaphor. Or I know. The, I, should, I, should, I've no, no.
0: I feel like I've, I've, I threw something in there.
2: No, because I feel like there's something to that. Um, there's That's maybe a difference in kind of thing. Um, sure. I think about it more in terms of a family. And so I might take the sodas out of that and say, there are lots of different expressions of families nowadays. I mean, and you'll have people that will argue very hard for all different kinds of expressions of family. Um, But we, but we would say like, but there is a natural kind of family that was instituted both even prior to the church. Right. Um,
0: And that is the one that's kind of by design, the correct. Yes.
2: And I I mean, I I can hear an, an argument that I had against what I'm saying right now is like, yeah, okay. But is this what Jesus intended? Mm -hmm. Really? Like the Vatican is what Jesus intended. He's like, on this rock, I'll build my church, Peter, and boom, you got the Vatican, you got bishops, you got scandals, you've got, you know, all this crazy stuff going on. And I read something by a guy, uh, St. Uh, John Cardinal Henry Newman, a uh, beautiful writer. Some people think he's the best writer ever in English. So wow. um, yeah, he's just amazing. He converted from Anglicanism and he was an Oxford man, uh, an Oxford man, Oxford man, whatever, um, he was totally ostracized because the church was at a very low point in England during this time and he converted and it was super scandalous. He got kicked out of Oxford in the whole bit, but he had this really great analogy where he said, so the church, or let's start with what he said first in a natural example, if you have an Oak seed, it doesn't look anything like an Oak tree. You expect it to grow into an Oak tree. Mm-hmm. You might not know what it's going to look like because of the wind and you know, the place that is planted but you are going to get an Oak tree from an Oak seed. So in the same way, the church has developed over time. Like St. Peter didn't know any, he couldn't articulate the doctrine of the Trinity. Right. He wouldn't have said it's the central mystery of the Christian faith. Right. Like the catechism says. Um. But did he experience that? Absolutely. So is the church what the Lord has intended it to be right now? I'd say like in a certain sense. Yes. Uh Yeah. Has there been a lot of wounding and are there humans involved and are things not um glorifying God? Sure. But that doesn't that doesn't discount the fact that there has been uh this growth into what it is today and what it will continue to yeah. be. Yeah.
1: Okay, so when you were you had your Protestant brain yeah. um and your Protestant equipping. Yeah. Now you're on this journey. Are you having debates in your head are you are you hearing yeah but and having uh protestant uh, obstacles or are you so fascinated with where you're going that you're not debating it you're just going
2: well the beautiful thing about youtube is that there you can listen to debates (laughs) it's also it's also it's also demonic at times how many you know because you can just plunge too deep sure um but no i um I would say because of my wife's questions, that's that that slowed me down. Otherwise, you would have just rolled with this. I just would have been like, "Okay, so yes, holy cow, I'm Catholic and yeah. I like it." Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny. I hope we get to talk about it. But the first time that we met with Father Jim, he kind of laughed a little bit and said, "I think you guys have just become Catholic in a very Protestant way." Yeah. You know. Um. Uh. But anyway, yeah. So I. I was having a lot of arguments with myself, but I was also asking a lot of people that I knew. I think I told you, I called up a bunch of pastors that I knew. And I said, what keeps you in the tradition that you're in? Mm -hmm. And I got every different kind of answer you could possibly imagine. Give me a sample. Okay. So um, someone said, well, I'm in this particular denomination because they were the ones that took care of me when I was first coming up and um, they're small and nimble and we're able to move and move with the spirit. I had one pastor say, you're asking the wrong question. Tradition's bad and we're about following Jesus. So it, it's sort of a fool's errand to go about asking why am I in this tradition? I'm here because God put me here. Mm. And then another pastor said, my tradition has given me lots of room to grow theologically. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not perfect, but it's I've been flexible, able to grow yeah. and change. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they've been accommodating. And those were all like great answers, but super unsatisfying to me. Cause I'm like, none none of those are going to keep me here. Yeah, you know,
1: you you come into that subject of authority. I I can see the idealism in you says if the answer to the what is the church question, it's Catholic, then nothing else matters. I just got to find my way there. This is how I feel about the sovereignty of God. Yeah. If God is, in fact, the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things and the giver of life, then it doesn't matter if I like him. It doesn't matter if he thinks like me. It doesn't matter if he does things I don't understand. It is. yeah. And so I, so I just align myself with that kind of. Um, I drop all protest. And instead of saying, God, I need you to explain yourself to me. I just say, God, I want to learn you. And it sounds like that was kind of your journey into the Catholic Church. You began with the question, if this is the church, well then, I'm all in.
0: Let me just learn what that means. Yeah, yeah. For me, I think of it like proofs in geometry. Did you guys have proofs? Yep. Yeah. you way do, back in our
1: day? Is that what you're? Just, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically,
0: I learned some things you didn't learn, and vice versa. I was just making yeah. sure. Okay, but you know the yeah. the proofs just, have been around a long. Just a series time. of if then statements, basically. Yes. And you work your way through that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. So so where were you going with that? I'm just sorry, that no same running. same exact thing. It's well, if, if, uh, if 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 if, if Peter, only one church has authority, then which one is it? And is it this one? And then if it is this one, then what? And if it, you know, but down and down and down.
2: Well, and, and and an example of kind of where that was going was, um, two. So we, my, so we had been Catholic for six months and we went to this youth conference, this Catholic youth conference, and we get on the airplane to come home. And I'm like, there's a really big Muslim man sitting next to my wife. And I'm just like, I, and he's super smiley. And I'm like, I'm, darn sure we're not napping i think we're having conversations so we sit down and we find out he's got a bunch of kids he's you know he's working hard for his family and he's like oh and you're catholic and i'm like yes we are and so he said oh you know we believe some different things and i'm like yes we do and so he said you know i have a few questions for you and i said okay and he said and you're just like rubbing your hands together right well <laughs> actually i was a little bit like oh dang um because you wanted to ask him questions yeah yeah it was really <laughs> fascinated and He, and the, 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 the top two questions that he wanted to ask about the Trinity and the fatherhood of God. Wow. And so there's a way that I think, um, and this made me think about this with the sovereignty of God is that, um, for, for him, as he was expressing Islam to me, the scandal of us calling God father degrades, degrades God to the extent that we, um, that we bring him down to us. Hmm. And so all we can do is just brute obedience, um, to the will of Allah. And I said, um, so we had a, a pretty interesting conversation about how actually it's the love of God that comes to us. And which goes back to this yeah. original point about it's it, in all times and all places, God draws close to man. It's not that we deserved it or we needed it, or it's not that he needed it. It's that he came because that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. So, um, it's all an act of divine love that we have a hard time wrestling with. Like, what does this mean that it's the stumbling block? This goes back to the incarnation. Like how in the world could, could that be true? Yeah. That, that God would love us in that way.
0: Well, and, and really it's interesting that the, this might be one of those off track things, but the uh, qualm of lowering the distance between us and God or, or bringing him lower is really that is that Jesus was the, that, uh, Connection, So that intimacy is increased because of the father title. And so it makes sense that that could be seen as offensive with how intimate we then are with God in, yeah. that, in that relationship. And I had never thought about that. I, yeah. I, I know they, because uh, uh, um, uh, the Jewish faith doesn't necessarily have a problem with that, right. necessarily, the, the fatherhood part. So I, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's yeah.
1: interesting because uh, I love the, the word cruciform has just been driving my life for a while that the cross is not just the place where God accomplished his redemptive mission. It is the nature of God. Yes. He is, it's... he is the suffering King. He is the, he is the one who perpetually gives. Mm-hmm. And um, that's who he is. Yeah. It's not just what he did. It's right. who he is. Yeah. And, and that he wants to shape us into conform us into that image where we too will be crucified. Yeah. And so when I think about the Muslims, cause that's another faith I know very little about, um, you know, the mat and putting your head to the ground is this lowering of themselves, this mm-hmm. um, this really um, humility before a sovereign almighty God whom you shouldn't even look at, right. which is kind of even the Hebrews would not use the vowels in his name right. because you, you shouldn't even say his name. Yeah. And what a move that is from a God whom we should never look at and a God whose name we should never actually say. Two, he's my father yeah, and he took on flesh and he, and he joined me in yeah. my suffering. Uh,
2: that is scandalous. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is a sign of contradiction. It's, it's, um, and, and, you know, I, I think one of the things I, <laughs> uh, my wife kind of laughs at me because, um, I'll be talking to some Protestant friends and I'll say, Hey, you know, like you, you need to get a crucifix. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, honey, you just can't go around saying that to people. And I'm like, yes, I can. Okay. Because now why does your friend need a crucifix? Why do I need one? Okay. Well, I, I, I honestly think that people need them. Um, because when you look at a bear cross, mm-hmm. okay. I, I think what it's trying to communicate, or at least to, to me, what it communicates is Jesus is risen from the dead. Right. Mm. Which nothing wrong with that, but there's some beautiful icons of Jesus rising from the dead. So just get that like, don't have the blank cross. Mm. Right. Because Um, the
1: cross itself should have Jesus on it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to symbolize the resurrection, do the fish or do something else. No,
2: like actually get an icon, like, like look up icon of the resurrection.
1: Yeah. And there are some,
2: Oh yeah. Lots. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that maybe is a whole nother conversation, but, uh, but the crucifix has been incredibly important to me because, and I've got one in my office, just like right above my laptop that I look at often because of, what you just said, like, that's the thing that is perpetually, I'm, I'm perpetually uniting myself to. That's the will of the Father, mm-hmm. and it's not punishment. It, it's, it's, love. um, it's love. Yeah. Um, and I think, I grew up with this notion that the cross was a scandal because it was this pen, penal substitutionary atonement right, thing right. where God had to pour out His wrath, and destroy Himself in His Son. It was a really, it, it's a, in my view, a twisted view of is a very salvation. Yeah.
1: How could I serve a God who would brutally yeah. murder his own son? Right. How could I entrust myself right. to him? And the answer is, well, he is yeah. father, son, Holy Spirit. Yeah. He did that to himself yeah. as a, as a deliverance yeah. uh, vehicle for us. It okay. was hundred yeah. percent love motivated. Yeah. Not, and not so, I got
2: to kill somebody. And so we, as Catholics cross ourselves all the time um in the east they cross themselves every time they would say the father and son and the holy spirit you know um and it's just that reminder that we are people of the cross and there's all kinds of beautiful stories of i mean we've been teaching our girls if if you have a bad dream when dad has a bad dream the first thing i do when i wake up i cross myself name of the father and the son and the holy spirit right like i'm not going i'm renouncing satan and all his evil works like you know or there there's been a few songs lately that I've listened to that have kind of popped into my head that were just not songs that I want to have in my head. And so, you know, I'm just like walking in the grocery store and I'm like, thank the father and the son and the Holy spirit. I'm like, no, like I'm not going there. And the cross is going before me and is in me. I, I'm not going to be about that.
1: Now there's something we're going to take our break yeah. here in just a second. There's something about you that is not normal.
2: Okay. Fair I'm, enough. I'm
1: sure there's a lot of them, but the thing <laughs> I'm referring to in this particular situation is that, there's an intensity about you that, yeah. that lots of people don't have. Yeah. So I'm, it occurs to me that I'm talking to a Catholic who's explaining their faith to me in ways a Catholic never has before. Okay. So when I think of Catholics, I think of cultural Catholics. Sure. I think of, um, you know, disengaged Catholics sure. who couldn't explain any of that to me. Right. And uh, I think the same would be true of Protestants. You have people in our churches who are attending. I'm, i mean, I talk to them all the time uh, asking them what their faith means to them and they have no real answer. Well, I, I want my kids to have morals. And so I want them in church and right. you know, they have these cultural kind of answers, but not a, I want to know God and God has revealed himself in these ways. And so I want to attach myself to that. I yeah. want to learn that. So that's a very interesting thing. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're gonna take our we're gonna we're gonna do our media review, which is my turn, and well, I have one.
0: If you don't mind, I figure we might we're already we're already a little long in the tooth. We might skip the media review this week, if you're okay with that, in favor of more of more questions. No more jazz, no more jazz. He unless you were gonna introduce jazz, I'm I can make that <laughs> session for you.
2: I, I've been listening.
0: Have you? <laughs> yeah. What do you think?
2: I, I tried to listen to the guy that you introduced, and I thought I don't really want to bring it up because. I don't want to be the guy that disappoints you, but I just jazz yes, it just, it just, it's just too much. You're a
0: Catholic. We'll be right back.
3: Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the Father-Son Duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, Consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash Jim and John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation.
1: Welcome back. All right. So uh, here's the thing um, I understand now how you became a Catholic. You're like, uh, you're having this awakening, deep uh, connection to God, which you discover. I think the Catholic church is the church. This is how it all began. This is what this is. This is born with Peter's confession. And this is the outplay of that. That's the universal. That's the, that's the church is what God meant. And so then for you, it's like, well, forget my objections. I don't have any objections. I just want to learn what is that and how do I become a part? Yep. Whereas for your wife, it was more of, well, wait a second. I got, I got questions. Yep. You're going to have to convince me of this. So her approach was a little different. But let me ask you this. Let's say I'm listening to this podcast and I go, <laughs> I think I'm a Catholic.
0: I, I declare a Catholic. Yes. I my, my, bankruptcy. Yeah,
1: exactly. yes. <laughs> yes. So
2: can a person just say, I'm a Catholic now? Right. I would say the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart. And you know what's amazing is you should call up the local parish that you live in and you should ask to meet with the priest or the pastor there. Um, because I think one of the interesting things is, is like, there's a big conversation that we can have about, like, what does it mean to become something? Like, I never said, like, I wish to become a symbol of God. So what do I need to do? Well, show up to the 101, 201, 301. No, you just said,
1: I'm AG now. I'm, go through I'm, Rick Lawrence. I'm a I'm a charismatic. I'm yeah. a, done. I'm a Catholic. Why, right. why can't I just say I'm a Catholic now?
2: Well, you could say that, but. Uh, Would it, I be a Catholic? Um, you you would be on your way. Your intention would be to be Catholic.
0: Which, what would I have to do can... to, to okay. be officially like, be like, like yeah, Catholic? Yeah. What did you and your and your wife do?
2: Okay. So, um, what what we did is we um made a bunch of phone calls that were really frustrating because someone originally said, well, it might be two years, and I was like, I had this fire in my throat, and I remember pacing around thinking, you mean, like <laughs> a Catholic person told you, it might take two years. To someone at the like parish Catholic. who was running this program that kind of takes people who have not been baptized. You know, through a process. Yeah, but you had been baptized. Right. So I said to her, I said, well, um, I was reading the U.S. Conference of uh, Catholic Bishops said that because, <laughs> you know, and so she's probably like, oh my gosh, she's one of those annoying guys. And I'm like, so, but I do want to be a faithful son of the church. And so I will be okay if it takes two years, Lord willing. But I mean, so, and she asked me, well, have you started going to Mass? And I'm like, well, no. And she's like, so you should probably start coming to Mass. I was like, oh, yeah, that's what probably- you can do that. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. Just yes. anyone can come to mass. Just come to mass. Yeah. Please come at, to mass.
0: at the time, did you figure you couldn't until you were like I'm welcomed not, in?
2: I'm not really sure it even crossed our minds, <laughs> to be honest, because we were just like we were on this big hunt on our own. Yeah. And then it was. And so really. So if
1: I go to mass, can I take communion? No. And how will they know that I can't take communion?
2: Um. Well. How would I know? Right. So how, so how would you know? Well, it's, it's generally, I think known, I think a lot of people know that that they shouldn't. And this is where the church takes really seriously. St. Paul's admonition to not eat and drink in an unworthy, manner, right? Um, because what receiving communion actually means is like, I actually assent to everything that the Lord has, has said is saying in the church, like, like, yes, I say amen to it all. And so it's, it's, it's actually an act of love and it feels really, um, so, so, okay. Help me with the regulatory
1: role of the church to say you're in or you're out. So I can't be a Catholic until I go through a process and then they say, congratulations. No. So, y-
2: y- well, it might feel like that from, from the outside, but really what, what we would consider is that like, how do you form your faith? Well, like, first of all, it's through, the liturgical year, right, and it's through parish life. So, so if you desire to be to be in communion with the church, start doing those things, mm. and go meet with the pastor, mm-hmm. and he is going to be. Um, it's been my experience that they are incredibly loving and will know. Father Jim knew exactly what we needed, and he mm-hmm. said, "You know what? I've got these two books on ecclesiology, um, you know, on the structure of the church and the sacraments." So I brought those home and he said, so you guys read those, then get back with me and we'll talk because he, you know, wanted to hear our story, wanted to hear where we were at. Um, And so we, my wife's like, we're going to go knock those books out. Let's just do this. And I'm like, baby, (laughs) we're going to be like, so we went to Boston Harbor, got a beer and we're like sitting there reading we'd get through a few pages and we'd be like, Oh my gosh, you know, little (laughs) tears, a little bit like, what does that mean? And um, because we were starting to see as we were attending mass right the the sacraments are these visible signs of an invisible reality of god's love that mirrors the incarnation it mm-hmm. it's both natural and supernatural so so it all can look very ordinary or very extraordinary but what it's meant to do the sacraments are meant to be a sign of god's love for us right now like he didn't leave us orphans right, right? so you start going to mass start meeting with your priest um and then there will be some point where he'll say, you know what, I think that you're ready to, you know, be received into full community with the church. So you write a letter to the bishop. Um and the bishop's somewhere else. The bishop is in Seattle. Okay. Um here.
0: And at, you write him a letter. Yep. Or it a di- the, or a the district thing. So he's like the this district's bishop or he's
2: actually a successor of the apostle. Oh, uh, okay. of the apostles.
0: A successor of the apostles. What does that mean? So is he is he one of twelve
1: bishops or
2: like you could trace back a bishop? who's laid hands on him all the way through, right?
1: To the, all the way to the apostles. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah.
2: Now, have there been times where it's, where you can't discern where that has happened? Sure. But like, yeah.
0: Um, But on faith and and on paper, the the, the belief is that they have.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So like, it, it seems too good to be true. To be honest, I think when I heard that, I was like, eh, that's probably not yeah. true. That's that's probably just like pious tradition, as they say. Like, it's just yeah. like a...
1: Because it was, I'm, I'm having a hard time believing you could actually document that.
2: You'd be amazed. The Catholic Church is great at documenting stuff. Yes, it? they are. Oh, my gosh. And so, that's
1: helped us a lot historically. Yes. In okay. lots of ways. So... Uh, so you write a letter to the bishop yeah. saying what was the letter say?
2: So you say that you want to be received. Hey bro. A full community. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> your excellency. Um, okay. right. Um, because you know, any reverence that you show a priest or a bishop is literally about showing reverence to Christ. You know, what about
1: the scripture saying? You will call no man father yeah, for your father's your only father. Right. And you will called no
2: man, uh, teacher. Right. And then, and then Paul said, you don't have many spiritual fathers. Yeah. Right. So, So, so Paul's getting at something to to say that it's not just exclusive about saying, don't say father or dad or this. I mean, because if you look at all different cultures, we have all different words of affection Mm -hmm. for, Mm -hmm. for the, um, for the patriarchy. Um, and I'm using that in a positive sense. Right. So, um, so I think what he was getting at there was not to don't call father Jim or, you know, um, Papa Francisco, um, but uh, your allegiance doesn't go to your earthly father mm-hmm. exclusively. It goes to Christ first, which ironically is not opposed to that. But Okay, sure. So
1: you write a letter to the bishop yep. and you say, we have been attending mass. We've read yep. the books. We're in relationship with Father Jim. Yep. And uh, we request Yeah, what?
2: we We request to be received in the full communion with the Catholic Church. And so you have to document your baptism because... For the reason that the church is really serious there is one baptism for the forgiveness of sins and even
1: though that occurred in a protestant environment yep. they not care that because no. it's baptism no
2: yeah i mean they do ask you was it done it with a trinitarian formula with water
0: mm-hmm. you know so so the full submerged they don't care much about that as nope. opposed to the sprinkling nope. or anything like that no no nope, nope, but nope, it's, it's father son holy spirit
2: yep yep and um so and someone else could write that letter on your behalf too. like the oh, priest okay. might do that as well um But um, then what happens? So then you go to mass where you're receiving the church. So you receive the sacrament. How long did
1: it it take the bishop to get back to you?
2: Well, the bishop never, well, someone else wrote the letter for, for us on our, on our behalf. She's a canon lawyer and um, I'm so grateful for her because our whole family was received. So Eva, who was five, wasn't baptized, confirmed or received first Eucharist. My, my two older daughters at the time. Uh, had been baptized Mm -hmm. and my wife and I had been baptized. So she wrote a letter to the bishop saying like, can the whole family come in? This seems like the book of Acts. Let's just do it. You know, and the bishop was like, yes, let's do it. That sounds awesome. Um, So uh, we went to mass and uh, there, us and a few other people were there who were being received in in the church. You stand up at one part during the liturgy. You, um, uh, you, you reconfirm your your baptismal promises. And so you reject Satan and all of his evil works. Um, and you affirm the creed. I believe in the creed. Um, and you say the creed and then the people that are being received in the church and the creed
1: would be the apostles creed.
2: Um, this it's the, it's the Nicene creed. Okay. Let's see right after that. Right after that, you are confirmed, I believe. So the oil, um, you're, you're sealed, you're sealed with the Holy spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, uh, you receive your first your first, your first Holy Communion. And for us, it seems like we, um, we were longing so much to receive the Lord and the blessed sacrament. Um, and while the emotion of it all mm-hmm. has, has waned, I, waned is the wrong word, but changed in different intensities at different times. Yeah the reality of God not leaving us orphans and coming to us is um, uh, just absolutely profound. Like it's, it's a, it's a gift that seems impossible. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. So I have one last question for you. Okay. Um, I'm listening to the episode and uh, we kind of did this in episode 98. Here we are at chapter 15 of your story. <laughs> I'm on chapter five, right? I have I have some questions about the true nature of God. I'm not finding I'm not connecting uh either with my faith family or with my own sense of connection to God. Yeah. I really want to know God. Yeah. And I want to know Jesus, my Savior, and I want to connect to the Holy Spirit. Give me some advice.
2: Yeah. I I've noticed that a lot of people right now, Catholics and Protestants, mm-hmm um, have been, this whole COVID thing has caused a lot of people to disconnect and -hmm. they don't know why. Yeah. And, and they can't quite put their finger on it. And I think in one of your episodes, you guys talked about discipleship Mm -hmm. and there was something about, um, you guys were right there about virtue, that there was something about the habit that you get out of the habit of doing something. Mm -hmm. And, So I think some of it is you have to recognize that a lot of the things that we do are habitual and that's not bad. Mm -hmm. Like going to church every Sunday, if it was a habit, that's not bad in and of itself. It's bad if you do it mindlessly. Sure. But like, at least you're doing it. Yeah. Like it's the first step to, you know,
0: the discipline of it. Yes. Yes.
2: So, I I mean, I, I guess what I'd say is like, don't take that lightly, that thing in you that is disconnected or withdrawing from people, like, 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 don't just put that on the shelf and call that, well, I'm just in a new season in life. Say, no, 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 actually, let's not call that a season. Like, let's let's hold that disconnection in front of myself a little bit and pray with it. And mm-hmm. if you can't pray with it, actually say, Lord, I want to pray about this, but I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know why I'm feeling disconnected or I don't know why I'm feeling angry or, you know, because um, there's just a lot of people that are really disconnected. And there's a lot of confusion about people are asking really big questions right now. What, what really matters? Why, why does it even matter that I go or, right. you know, I'm gonna start going to this home church because, you know, I'm getting fed there and I'm like, I would just want to challenge that, that whole fed thing. Like, what does that mean? To, right. You know, does that just mean that you feel good there? And
0: well and like we've talked yeah. about the, the personal uh, or the uh, self view of, of church, what, what I get out of it. So that could be uh, that frustration there with, uh, well, I'm not getting fed there or, uh, or thereabouts that could be, I I have a similar frustration there. I do see a lot of value in home church as far as the exact opposite of the outward facing of the amount of, uh, impact you can have on others' lives in a more intimate scenario. Um, but obviously I love the, the larger congregation.
2: Yeah. Yeah, And, and I guess when I say home churches, I'm saying, I I don't, I've got some, some scenarios in my mind that I know where there's people who are pulling out of some of the bigger churches and they're starting their own little things. Sure. And it's like, I've had somebody ask me like, so the Catholic church, they've done all these bad things. And you know, like, why, why would you be a part of that? And like, I kind of have to answer like what Peter said, like to the Lord, where else would I go? Right. Like, where else would I go, Lord? Um, You have the words of eternal life. <laughs> and for you, the fact that,
1: and I will say it's a fact, you've, you've concluded it's a fact yeah. that this is the church. Yeah. So and therefore there is nowhere else to go. Yeah. This is the church. Yeah. And um man, thank you for sharing your journey with us and for helping a couple of uh Protestant ignorant ignoramuses, <laughs> you know, get our arms around. That it. is not true. <laughs> what I love, what I love is the uh the quest. Yeah. And the quest that is rooted in scripture. Um hungry for God himself and unbiased. You, you didn't say, I want God for you to be like this. You just said, I want to know you. I want to be a part of your church. So I think that's incredible. What I'd encourage our listeners to do, John, think of your takeaway while I do this. I, I'd sure. encourage uh, listeners. If you have questions you would like uh, to discuss further about this, put it, send them in, put them uh, info at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John. Uh, or you can, uh, get on our messages, DM us on Instagram. Uh, We will engage with that and um, see what the, see what the um, interest level is. We could actually do another episode, another time if we want to, about exploring uh, some of the questions about the, the, the holiness of Mary versus the humanity of Mary. Sure. Um, whether you need to pray through saints, what's sure. what's that all about?
0: And questions of the Pope. And, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. We could do all of that, uh, but I really, to me, the 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 important part of this conversation is, I followed my heart's desire to know God deeply, and this is where it took me. Yeah, and um, and I would encourage, I, I would never argue that, and I would encourage everyone uh, to pursue God through the Word of God. With sincerity of heart, and you too can be led by God. Yeah, he's 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 in the he's in it with you.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Takeaway, John. Uh, yeah, just I love the um, it's it's not necessarily paradoxical, but you don't see it a lot elsewhere. The full conviction of your um, of what you believe is is true, and the the full uh, gentleness. So there's no uh, like you joke about, or or my dad jokes about us being the ignoramuses and you're like enlightening us, but you don't actually, you didn't come in with that. So it's, it's, but you also have no apologies about that. You 100% believe in these, in these convictions, in the uh, uh, authority and originality and uh, capital T truth of the Catholic church. Mm. Uh, And so uh, one, I love that about you. And two, I think it's very Christian. I think it's, you know, back to Paul's writing of of the early church squabbles around food and around uh, uh, certain different leaders and, The freedom that we have of different expressions that if one uh, is to consider food unclean, then they should really consider it unclean and really actually treat it that way unto Mm -hmm. God Mm because it's their worship of God and vice versa. You could uh, just bathe in the freedom of God and worship God by accepting that you can't actually eat anything. Mm -hmm. And so the different expressions are both holy. That's what what I love about it. And that's I think it's exemplified here where uh, the the full conviction to Catholicism is holy. Like that is that is you do that unto God. You don't do that unto yourself. Uh and then our our expressions as they stand now are also holy. So I, I, I love that that the freedom is there for both these things and that you exemplify it.
1: That's cool. And I did I did really resonate with the you you know, people can call it whenever they want to. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you you can call church whatever you want to. But the truth is if you're if you're born again and you're a part of God's kingdom, we're all really we're all part of the. You might say we're all part of the Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we're all we're all in the church. We're we're in the, we're in the kingdom. Yeah. And I love that, Jonathan. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. John Ladd, thank you. And uh, man, you. love to hear from you guys. Have a great day. Um, we'll talk to you next week.